Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. edition of the Net Report Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite. Guys, we have a defensive tackle commitment at, of the transfer portal. Rutgers landed Malcolm Ray from Florida State last night. Uh, we're going to discuss that and some more transfer portal happenings. And we're going to try and figure out what's going on with this basketball team and if the season can be saved. Um, but let's start with the good news. Uh, Rutgers landed a defensive tackle. I know that was a priority for the staff. Um, they got their guy in Malcolm Ray. He's a fifth-year defensive tackle out of Florida State. He's originally from Carroll City, Florida, or Carroll City in Miami. Um, tell us a little bit about what we're getting in this kid. Yeah, so, I mean, you find, it seems like you finally have an interior pass rusher that um, you haven't had in since Shiano's return, I guess, basically. Even before that, probably since Shiano 1.0. You can maybe go back to the flood days, potentially, but I, I can't even recall a good pass rusher on the interior. Um, they've, they've, uh, they've been wanting a defensive tackle for a while. He's a kid that actually gained a lot of weight since going into college and going into the strength and conditioning programs. Um, at the college level, he was, he, uh, was six two two thirty at a high school. He's now what? Six two I believe it was, uh, two ninety two whatever. Same thing. Um, no, but he's, he's an interesting one. He, um, was a key contributor for Florida state over the past three seasons. I think he redshirted year one, year two, didn't really see many snaps, three, four, and five. He, uh, yeah, five, which is crazy. Um, played quite a bit. Um, I know the Florida state guys I was talking to yesterday, they are, they made it seem like the staff wanted him to stay. Um, he probably wasn't going to be a starter for them next year, considering they still had Braden Fisk, who some of you might remember. A uh, key guy that we uh, we named in the portal last year, I believe it was, um, from Western Michigan that ended up going there. I think he was the top-ranked defensive tackle at one point in the portal rankings last year. Uh, they also had Joshua Farmer, who's returning. Um, they lost one defensive tackle to, I forget what his name is, Fabian something, um, going to the NFL draft. So he kind of wanted to enter the portal, and it seemed like he wanted to go somewhere that he could start. And uh, make a name for himself as a as a potential NFL guy in the future. I know that's everyone's goal at the end of the day. Um, but like like I said, like five five starts, thirty eight games over four se- or five seasons, four if you don't count the redshirt one. Um, finished with sixty tackles, ten tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Nothing nothing crazy. Nothing really jumps off the tape. But if you watch him, like he's got a pretty powerful punch, kind of explosive at that line, and and he's a good pass rusher. I can't emphasize that enough like they haven't had a pass rusher in the interior for god knows how long and yeah i think the closest thing Rutgers has had under shiano <clears throat> has either been michael dwum for but that was just one year yeah and then julius turner kind of developed into an interior pass rusher That's but true. that was really just for his final year at Rutgers in 21 mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's been it's been a, a rough go in the interior for Rutgers, especially rushing the passer yeah and i mean like you said, they really wanted a defensive tackle. It makes sense based on looking at uh, at their unit currently. There's not like no one's really produced a ton. Like 
I don't want to say Keontae Hamilton's been a bust, but he hasn't been what we thought he would be after his freshman season. Yeah, um, yep. we th- I thought once he gave up wrestling, he'd be this certified stud, and he just yep. hasn't really gotten there yet. Um, there's some other key guys on the in the rotation too, and they like to rotate guys. They have what Greg says it every year. They're ten deep at ten plus deep at defensive line. Your edge rushers are going to be mostly the same as as this year. Uh, everyone returning for the most part, um, but Renee Conga could slide inside at times. You'll see Troy Rainey, Zaire Angoy played quite a bit last year towards the end of the season. So I personally, from what I was told, I think this guy starts from day one and it makes sense. You got a, a veteran guy, a pass rusher, slot him next to it, maybe Keontae or, or Troy Rainey or, or I don't know. You need, you needed help there and they got help. This is a good get. Uh, and it seems like you beat it. You only beat out NC state, but that's, that's still a pretty good NC state team and someone who's been throwing out some notable money apparently too in the transfer market. Yeah, no, they they've been killing it this off season. They got Justin Jolie, the tight end from Connecticut. They got uh, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina, Grayson McCall. They've landed a ton of kids. Um, they're really doing a great job in the portal. Um, but the thing that really stood out for me, and it might be anecdotal, but uh, a lot of Florida State fans were hoping that Malcolm Ray would decide to come back. This is a kid that they didn't really want to lose. He was a great rotational player for them. You know, he's made, I think, seven starts in his career. But, you know, for a defensive line that uses a lot of guys, starts are kind of like, who cares if you started or come in on the fourth play of the defensive series. Like, um, <clears throat> So they all wanted him back. And the heavy narrative from Florida State fans were, oh, Rutgers must have given him a bag. Because <laughs> if you look at, you know, what the, the guys running uh, the Florida State <clears throat> site, it sounded like this was an NIL-driven recruitment. and. You know, he's been in the portal now for like a month, roughly, right? Yeah. So while you might enter the portal trying to get money or trying to, you know, then this is just the narrative they were putting out there. You know, the longer you're in the portal, the more likely you realize like, okay, maybe I am only going to get this or that. Um, So that was what they were saying. That might not necessarily be what ended up happening, but that is the narrative that was pushed out by a lot of Florida State fans as well. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at his PFF stats. Eight games this year with 20, 20 plus snaps. It's pretty significant at defensive tackle. Um, his most notable games came against Clemson, who's we know is a pretty good team on most years. Maybe not this year, but mm-hmm. still very talented uh, offensive line unit. He went against, put, posted a seventy three point eight. Um, and then his his most recent game was versus Georgia, and we know they're stacked with talent. And he had a pretty mm-hmm. damn good game according to the numbers. Uh, 72.9 pass rush, 70.2 tackle, 71.6 overall. Like those are, and he took 20, 28 snaps against that, uh, that Georgia team. So, I mean, he, he does pretty well for himself. It seems like when he plays some top tier competition and it's honestly what you're going to play in the big 10. So I think, I think this is a really good get. And like you said, not just the fans are pissed off, but the media alone, like it seems you watch mm-hmm. videos when he entered the portal from back in December. Uh, one of the Florida state beat writers is like, I don't get it. I don't know why he entered. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's going to be a key piece next year. Yep. I'm like, oh, damn, that's that kind of sucks. <laughs> I guess he's a key piece here now. Yeah, no, this is a, a guy who's starter caliber. I mean, Florida State has more talent than Rutgers on defense. That shouldn't surprise. I mean, they went yeah. undefeated this year. They recruit really well. Um, mm-hmm. They have more money to spend in, in the portal market and the, the high school market. Um, so Rutgers landing this kid, it is a big deal. He will start next year from the sounds of it, and uh, he will yeah. be an impact guy from everything we're hearing. 
probably just going to slide right into that Isaiah Aiton role. And um, he's he's intriguing. Like I said, he's a kid that's gained a lot of weight since high school. Like, you can't – I know everyone's going to look at his high school ranking and be like, a 5.5 three-star, what the hell? Like, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, he was – like I just said, he was 230 pounds. The man's 297 now, or 292. It's a big jump. Yeah. Um, and then there's this narrative on our board sometimes where people are like, he's not 300 pounds. He can't be a defensive tackle. And it's like, no, that's not how it works either. Yep. Um, he's got good size, six two to two ninety two. Like I said before, he got a good first punch. That that's like explosive almost. Um, he made some of these uh, ACC linemen look stupid. And don't get me wrong, an ACC is not the best in the world, but it's still pretty good. Um, especially when you're at Florida State and you're dominating a Clemson lineman. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's, it, this is a big boy and a a big addition for Rutgers. I think he's going to be pretty good. Yep, I know this was a, a, a big uh, point of emphasis in the portal to get a defensive tackle. Is Rutgers done at defensive tackle, do you think? Or do you think they might go for one more? <clears throat> no, it sounds like they're probably done at defensive tackle. Um, I can't say for certain because sometimes, like, I mean, if someone comes out of the woodwork and is like a big name is like, hey, I want to come to Rutgers, they'll make it happen. But yep. it sounds like for now they're done. A um, couple other things about him. he played. I know I said he played every game this season. He's a high academic kid. He's been named to their uh, academic uh, whatever. We, they do like a weekly academic thing during the season, and he was named to it multiple times this year. Um, <clears throat> FSU expecting him back. He played every game, blah, blah, blah. What am I missing? I'm missing something. He actually was supposed to commit today and not yesterday, but that's that's besides the point. He uh, <laughs> They kind of sprung it on Coach a little bit, it sounds like. It sounds like he was going to announced Sunday and then he told coach he was announcing Sunday and then all of a sudden 9 p.m. hit or whatever it was and he ran up to Gianna and was like hey look what I did and it's like okay <laughs> I guess we're not waiting. welcome <laughs> welcome congrats <laughs> so that was yeah we've talked thing. we've talked about how Shiano likes to be very meticulous about how he rolls out these announcements like mm-hmm. you might have three visitors who all basically are ready to commit and Takes the commitments privately, but he says announce Monday, announce Tuesday, announce Wednesday to kind of keep yeah. Rutgers in the news all week. Um, smart, but yeah. well, you're not going to tell a kid. It, but yeah, just... you're not going to tell a kid to take the the commitment down to repost it in two yeah. days. Yeah, that was just funny the way it happened and transpired. But yep, yeah, I mean this is a welcome addition and a good addition too. So very good Power Five kid. Yeah, and I really like all the commitments they've gotten in the portal so far to, to catch everyone up. The first commitment was from Dimir Miller who was the FCS All-American wide receiver. He led the FCS in receiving. Um, he's from Monmouth. Um, the quarterback, Ethan Kaliak-Manis from Minnesota, and his brother Dino Kaliak-Manis. Um, and now we have uh, Malcolm Ray from Florida State, the defensive tackle. So we got a pretty good haul so far in the portal. Where do you see Rutgers going now that they have three key additions, that positions that were all huge needs? Where else do you see Rutgers trying to fill in some needs? Uh, I think the key positions, like um, we mentioned it off the pod before we started, um, tight end is is a clear yeah. need. Um, no one has stepped up. Actually, they, I'd argue they might have regressed a little bit. Um, tough to say because like Johnny, when healthy, was was decent. He wasn't anything mm-hmm. crazy. I thought he was the best, and I, I've been quoted on saying this from a a former uh, assistant coach at Rutgers. Um, he he said it's the best of a bad bunch. Like they're just not. They're not that good. Um, they need to be better. Uh, Kanopka, I don't know, is 
MIA. I, I think he's like on the back of a milk carton right now because you can't find him anywhere. He hasn't <laughs> done anything. Um, I, and I'm not attacking him. I just haven't seen him. Like he's just been injured. He's been injury prone. He can't do anything. Uh, Mike Higgins played a little bit towards the end of the season, so you hope he keeps progressing. But he's only in year two. Um, Logan Blake, I I loved as a prospect. I still think he's a really good tight end, uh, a good receiving threat too, because he's got that uh, basketball background, that athleticism. But he's still not ready. So they need a tight end in the portal badly. You need someone that can block up front, number one, because Kirk has uh, pretty notably not used his tight ends throughout his career. Um, there was one year in 2022 where he used Revan Span Ford at Minnesota, and he had like 400 yards. But every other year, it's like 10 receptions, 7 receptions, 10 receptions for their top tight ends. Um, <clears throat> so they rarely use him. But that's about the average, too, um, based on um, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust RU Soho here on, the, on our boards. Um, he said he looked it up and it's about the average of what they use for tight ends or usage around college football. So it, it makes sense. Just get a blocker up front and it helps your offensive line too. It helps give your quarterback protection if you get a blocker type guy. So they're definitely focused in on that. I know you just listed about like six or seven new follows at tight end that they just posted, um, over the past day or two. So that, that's the big priority right now. Offensive line. You need a guard really bad. You have Brian Felter locked in, I think, at the one guard spot. You lost Dunlap, and, and you, you lost uh, Trefani, who was also one of your rotational guards. You don't really have anyone else. I guess you could put Kobe Asamoa, but I feel like still they want to play him at center in the future. He's a future center. He, should, he was at center, actually, until um, they shifted him over because he needed guard help. So you need a guard. Um, right guard, preferably, but I think you can kind of move him left or right because Felter's played both in his career. Um, and then you need a tackle. You need an offensive tackle. They've been saying they wanted an offensive tackle for over 365 days now. Um, they wanted one last year. They didn't really find one. Needham stepped up. In the meantime, was pretty decent. Got hurt. Reggie Sutton came in. Reggie Sutton was great. Or I shouldn't say great. He was good for what he was. He was solid. He was a, he was a good enough piece. Now you still need that tackle, at right tackle. And I don't know who that's going to be because there's not a whole lot of names out there that they're targeting at least. but. I think guard and tight end are the priority, and then you go tackle after that. Gotcha. Do you see Rutgers going after another receiver or any other positions potentially? I know they were looking at a lot of defensive backs as well. Yeah, I could see them going after a corner. I'd have to be the right fit. Um, they're very particular with their cornerbacks. Um, I know, uh, obviously, Max Melton's gone. Eric Rodgers is probably going to step up into that starter role. Robert Longerbeam, other side. Bo Mascow played a lot in that, uh, that oh, final yeah, game. Yep. He's going to be a good piece too, but I still think you probably want one more veteran back there if you can. And that's that's something you could probably wait until the spring portal window. I mean, if you find one, great. And they've, they've already reached out to a couple names, but I'm not going to go out of my way if I'm Rutgers to go find a cornerback um, just because I need one. Like I'm going to wait a little bit. For this position specifically, just because you have Harris Simiak, who's a DB coach, you have Greg, you have Orphy, you have Lascari, like you have all these DB coaches on the roster. I trust them with they could pick up a D three cornerback, and I'd probably still trust them because they're just that good with identifying talent at that position specifically. Yep, um, definitely. I, I'm I'm in the same boat. If they take it, you know, they take a DB who was playing in you know the UK. You know, yeah. on some semi-pro team and be like, I oh, he must him. be really good. <laughs> yeah. um, so Malcolm Ray obviously was on campus this weekend, committed. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing any other players that were on visits, 
potentially yeah. good news coming. Let's talk so, about that. So it sounds like there was a couple other players on campus. It sounds like there's going to be more good news on the way. Um, knowing the way that this happens, this podcast is going to be posted probably around 11, 10, 30, 11 uh, on Sunday morning. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be like 11.01 and they're going to get a commitment and it's yep. going to be like, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> um, yep. Probably won't be recording again today. Just saying. Just saying. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do expect them to have some more news today or tomorrow or strategically place it somewhere this week. Um, the portal is closed now, so no one else can enter. But kids can still visit. I know some kids have visits scheduled for next weekend, not not for Rutgers specifically, but just in general. Um, so they're still going to be hosting guys. And <clears throat> I forget what the the final enrollment date is for Rutgers. I looked it up the other day. Um, but you have to kind of get these kids enrolled within the next week or two. But I think Rutgers actually starts late. Don't they start pretty late? For they most do. Part? I'm looking at their academic calendar for 24. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> their spring semester begins on the 16th, if I read that correctly. Uh, spring semester begins, yep, the 16th. Should be a last day to enroll date yeah, there, too. I see that on here for some reason. But the 16th, relatively late. Like, I know, for example being that I cover other schools too sometimes. Um, for example, Penn State needs to have their kids enrolled by, I think it was the 10th or the 11th, in order for them to be on campus for spring semester. Rutgers being it's not starting on the 16th, their probably enrollment probably ends around, I would say, probably the 19th or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even the Monday after, which would be the 22nd. <clears throat> so you, they have that advantage where you could still get some kids on campus. Um, I do expect them to kind of host a couple more kids uh, over the next week or two. Uh, recruiting never stops. That's just the way it works now. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think they're going to get a tight end on campus. I don't think this next commitment is going to be a tight end. It could be. I just don't think it's going to be. Um, I, if I had to guess, their next one's probably going to be offensive, uh, offensive line or cornerback if they find a good cornerback. Yeah, it looks like the last day to add a class <clears throat> is January 25th. Oh, um, so, that. Holy yeah, so they have some time, but <clears throat> you're probably looking at next weekend as the final big visit weekend. For the most part, um, yeah. If you're trying to get kids in by the start of the spring semester. Mm -hmm. um, so good to know. Yeah. Um, sure. You got anything else regarding football before we, unfortunately, not, talk not about some bad news? Not really. Um, I talked to Kamar Bell, Florida Atlantic offensive guard, yesterday. Stanford, Duke, Tulane, Rutgers are the four that are reaching out the most, so keep an eye on that one. Um, Quantavius Leslie uh, has reported a Rutgers offer via one of his agents or whatever. I was told he's actually not going to visit anywhere right now. He's actually going to push it back to the spring, so he's going to be a spring portal visitor. Okay. Weird situation. I think he still has to graduate from Western Kentucky, and I think that's like one of the issues there. Yeah, yeah. So that makes kind of sense. And I say spring, even though I think the portal window's in May or April, late April, May, something like that. Um, whatever. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on in those two. Jalen Travis, who has a Rutgers offer, and is probably the lone offensive lineman that has tweeted out a Rutgers offer currently, publicly, um, appears to be going elsewhere. Um, there's, there's a bunch of names on our board. Uh, I'm looking like one, two, three. There's like 15 offensive linemen apparently that we have listed as potential names to keep an eye on. There's like 10 tight ends. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Um, yeah, that's really it for football. 
All right, let's talk hoops then. Uh, Rutgers basketball lost uh, by nine yesterday at Iowa. Um, this is a game That's that a generous nine. <clears throat> it was a generous nine. <clears throat> I believe Rutgers was down by close to twenty at a point. Yep. They were able to really fight back and. They closed the first half on an 11-2 run to make it a seven-point game. But this was a game that really just never was within reach for Rutgers. They got down big again in the first half, fought back, and then almost immediately Iowa comes out and extends the lead to 12 or 14 early in the second quarter or the second half. Um, Rutgers just continues to have these same issues about finishing around the rim rebounding, effort plays. This just doesn't feel like a Pykele team. And I don't know if it's because of losing some leaders, you know, late in the process, and you don't really have time to adequately replace them. Um, but this is a okay. team that just kind of feels adrift right now. Um, what's, you know, now Rutgers is at 8-5. and five. They're 0-3 in the Big Ten. I think that's the first time they've been 0-3 in almost a decade. What's what's your feel on this team, and is is there a way to kind of save this season? I don't know if there's going to be a way. I think that they're just their early game struggles are just too much to overcome. It seems like at least in specifically these past two games, because um, they they start out the the first twenty minutes of play and they look like if it wasn't for that eleven two run, which I might have fucked up. I think I wrote ten two um, in our article, but if yeah eleven two run. Before, like before that eleven two run, they were even after eleven two run. I'm sorry, they were shooting thirty three percent. They can't hit a three for the life of them. I don't know what's going on there. Um, that's that whatever. Maybe that's just luck of the draw. Sometimes like three point shooting, you you either on or you're off. And then you go to the layups. Eleven of twenty six is just god awful. I think it was. I wrote it in my article too. They were like five of like sixteen or five of seventeen to start the first half at, on layups. On layups, like what is going yeah. on? And then, apparently, one of the best big men in the country that everyone hypes up is just non-existent. Like, what has happened to him? He has regressed so badly. He's he's honestly just getting in the way at this point. Yeah, I don't know if he's regressed or if they just kind of don't have the guys around him to utilize his skill set. Like, he's just, you know, at his best, he is just, you know, a lob guy or a guy who's able to, like, clean up offense rebounds and finish. Like, he... It is pretty clear what his offensive game is. He can't really hit anything outside of, you know, five feet. Occasionally, yeah. he'll pull That's up at, at the top of the key. But if he's not within, like, dunking range, he is not really somebody on offense that's able to utilize his seal set. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks really bad when we don't have a good facilitator. I just feel like this team doesn't have a hierarchy they can go to, you know, like that we've had so ingrained in this team for the last five years under Pike, where you knew Gio or Ron was taking a big shot. You knew last year, you know, Paul was going to take the ball up. Like they don't really have that right now. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot of like, you go, I go kind of stuff where there's like hesitancy, you know, there sometimes somebody will just say, you know, I'm going to play ISO ball and just, you know, kind of back a guy down and take a shot. Like the, there's no really cohesion or flow to this offense. And on defense, there's more, way more blown coverages and blown defensive, you know, switches and things like that than we've ever seen under Pike or not ever, but in recent memory seen under Pike, there's a lot of young guys who are learning a lot of hard lessons right now. Mm -hmm. You've seen Gavin struggle on offense and defense. Um, 
a guy like, you know, Oscar, I thought would play better as a veteran. Noah Fernandes has really struggled. Derek Simpson's had great games offensively um, the last couple games, but, you know, he, for the first, you know, five, six games was kind of, you know, missing in action. Yeah. Um, I mean, he struggled yesterday too. Yeah. Yep. I think the emergence of Mag yesterday as an offensive player is probably huge. The only thing that could save the season in terms of like a postseason berth is if Mag mm. can, you know, continue to round back into form and be that kind of offensive threat he was yesterday. I think that's really the only, the only, if he, if he can emerge as the alpha, as the guy that's go to, you know, when the offense needs a bucket, because he's one of the only guys who can actually hit a contested shot in the lane too. Yeah. Like you've, you've seen that time and time again with him where he's just able to kind of like fight through contact and make a basket. Like that's part of it is like our guys aren't dealing with contact around the rim well, and we're not mm-hmm. really getting calls either. So we're taking a lot of shots inside the key. We're not getting any kind of fouls called for us. Um, and we're missing, you know, more than half of our shots at the rim. It's, it's bad. It's real bad. And it's been a problem now yeah. for years. So I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's a coaching or strategy thing, but at some point you kind of have to wonder like, why does this keep happening regardless of who's playing here? Yeah. Um, going back to the cliff thing, like I just thought he'd be a better defensive interior presence. And I know he had four blocks and that's, that's great and all, but like to give up what 38 in the paint overall, Ben Crikey was doing whatever he wanted. Um, Owen Freeman was doing whatever he wanted, like in the paint. They were they had combined over uh, 30, 34. Like, yep. That's that's the game right there. Um, that happened. Noah Fernandes, I think you just got to relegate to the bench. I, I think that he's too inconsistent. He'll have his games, don't get me wrong. And when he's on, yep, yep. that's it. Play him. Simple as that. But he, you got to relegate him to the bench. And I think you're going to see that in the future because you saw his minutes dwindle quite a bit yesterday. I think he only had 15. Um, yep. Moat Mag, like you said, starting to really look like a really good player. Um, he's just he just earned himself some nil money with that game. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, he can't. He can't get nil money technically. There's whatever. There's ways around it. Yeah. Um, Jamichael Davis has to start without a doubt in my mind, and I'd probably relegate Simpson to the bench too. I think he could be that six man spark plug. And I said this before the season. I thought he could be that role. Now, obviously. Before the season, I had Fernandes as a starter. I think you go Jermichael Davis. Austin Williams looked pretty good yesterday as a two. Can, can defend as well, which we said preseason. Um, Hyatt, who's probably been your most consistent player, which isn't saying much, considering he's probably shooting, what, like 40%, probably lower. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> Mag and Amori. And, and I, I'm, no offense to Oscar. I'm done seeing Oscar on the, on the court. I, I'm playing Chole if I'm... I'm going to try him. It can't hurt at this point. You can't score. He can't score. They can't score in general. Just try him. It can't hurt. And this is your, your best three-point shooter over the past two seasons. Yeah, it. no, it's 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 bad. I think you got to see Austin Williams play more. He's one of the most consistent players Rutgers has had on offense. Yeah. Um, I think they're really struggling to kind of figure out how to solve this puzzle of this roster and mm-hmm. how to, you know, produce some, some wins out of it. Um, and at some point you have to kind of decide, like, is this a team that actually can compete for a postseason berth or should we tailor everything towards next year and getting these young guys playing time, fighting through those, you know, bumps and bruises of 
you know, playing in the Big Ten as an 18 year old, it is not easy. Um, I don't know. I I would hope they don't take that path, but I would understand if they decide to focus on development more so than competition at some yeah. point. Well, you got to start setting up Griffiths. You're setting him up for failure right now. The man's yeah. taking off balanced shots. He's not setting his feet. Um, he's going up for layups and just smoking them. And it's like, he needs, I don't even know what you do. Like his minutes are down to nine, nine minutes yesterday. Like, yeah, yeah. this is a four star, five star, whatever you want to call him. Top 20 prospect. Like you got to set him up for success a little bit. And I don't know how you gain his confidence out there. Cause he looks like he's just lost at times. He's afraid to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what a lot of young guys are. You, you turn the ball over, you're probably getting subbed out for the most part. Yep. And and you just gotta have you gotta let him play through it a little more. I know Pykele is actually pretty pretty well known for letting his guys play through mistakes, but Griffiths needs to find his footing. Once he finds his shot, I think you, uh, people are gonna be pleasantly surprised by how good of an offensive player he is. Just can't find his shot for the life of him right now. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because our opponents all seem to be able to find their shot with regularity, like. Iowa hit 50% of their threes yesterday. Huge. Uh, the, the Ohio State game, I think they hit like 45% of their threes. Um, if you look at like, uh, we had a couple other games where <clears throat> teams were just shooting lights out against us from three. Um, like Illinois hit like over 40%. Um, it's just, it's tough sledding when you can't hit shots from deep. You know, Princeton hit 45% of their threes. So a lot of our games that we're losing, it's because our opponents are out shooting us. And we, outside of, you know, the Seton Hall game where we shot 50% from three, it's been really, really tough. Um, And if you just look at what we've kind of done since the LIU game, you know, we lost to Mississippi Mississippi State by 10. We barely beat Stonehill by one. We lost to Ohio State in a game where we roared back on the road. Um, we lost to Iowa where we kind of like meowed back on the road. Um, mm. we haven't been giving up, but at the same time, the schedule's not getting any easier. Like we play a bad Indiana team at home this week on Tuesday, but you know, then it's at Michigan state home against Nebraska. Who's way better than, you know, we're probably collectively as fans giving them credit for they are playing on the road against Illinois home against Purdue home against Penn state. There's not many games left in this, on this schedule. We're going to be favored. I'm looking at Bart Torvik right now, and of the remaining, uh, you know, what do we have left? We have 17 games left. We're only going to be favored by their projections right now in five games. So 12 games, we're going to be underdogs. And it might not be a huge dog in a lot of these, but we're going to have to really kind of find a way to win some games that we shouldn't. Um, yeah. Because Bart Torvik's projected record for us right now is 14-7. and seven. 14 and 17 and 6 and 14 in the Big Ten, which would be the worst season a Pike led team's had probably since his second year, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, Ken Palm says the same exact thing. Five games favored and 14 17. Yep. So I, I'll put my hand up right now. I was way off on this team. I, based on, you know, the tape that was out in the summer. The murmurings that were coming from, you know, the hail not the hail center, but, you know. Yeah. Murmurings that were coming from the basketball <laughs> program is they like this team a lot. Yeah. And uh, it's just clear that this team is is flawed in a lot of ways, which really is unfortunate. 
Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, there's there's a little bit of luck in terms of those three point shooting performances. Like, yep. technically, Rutgers only had one less three made than Ohio uh, Ohio State Iowa, but there's just a, like they're just not doing anything. Like, their defense is good. It's been pretty good all season long. It's their offense that struggled might. Yeah. Um, and those slow starts, those slow starts. When you're down 15 in the first half, it's like you're you're kind of fucked because <laughs> you don't have a yeah. you don't have a dog out there that can go and get you buckets like. Like used to, and it was a lot of bailout and over the past couple of years because like you can give Ron the ball and be like Ron, hey, I need any points, like I need someone to score. Ron's gonna yep. go play ISO. Geo's gonna go play ISO. Camp Spencer last year. Here, here's the ball. Just score. We need points, and it worked. It worked at times, but you really don't have that guy. Now you hope Mag can turn into that guy because like yesterday he's taking like questionable mid ranges, and I'm I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh dude, what? I thought. Oh, it went in. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Mm-hmm. Take it back. Um, because he's just, he doesn't, he hasn't been an offensive player ever, like really. And yesterday he just went off. So like you said, if he can kind of turn that around and turn into that, that alpha dog, that's huge. Or maybe Austin Williams can turn into a guy that's going to give you a consistent 12 points a game. That'd be huge. Hyatt's a guy that could, could do it from time to time. But again, he's, he's too streaky. Derek Simpson, too streaky. Um, yep. Noah Fernandez, extremely inconsistent, streaky, like. You're not going to get great performances out of those guys every day, so you need like a mag or someone else to step up. Maybe Jamichael Davis. He dropped what ten yesterday, twelve, something like that. So yeah, no, I mean, if you look back to where things kind of have gone since the the Michigan State game of last year, we're Mm -hmm. having these like prolonged periods on offense where we just like totally disappear. Like if you remember the Illinois game last year, you know we're winning by like. 10 points in the second half and then just allow them. I think we don't score for like eight minutes straight. Yeah. You know, the, the Minnesota game last year, you know, we're up by 10 with like two minutes left and we don't score again for the rest of the game and end up losing. Mm-hmm. Like we're just going through these prolonged periods where we can't do anything on offense. And, you know, last year we'd get bailed out by like Cam Spencer, just, you know, getting lit on fire. Like we won the Northwestern game last year because he just couldn't miss the Ohio state game just cause he couldn't miss uh Purdue game. Cause he couldn't miss like, mm-hmm. we don't have that go-to offensive guy anymore. And we don't have, you know, a stop. We don't have two shutdown defenders either anymore. We, you know, well, last year do, we could just like, can't play. <laughs> yeah. Jeremiah Williams would be a huge addition to this team right now. So it's unfortunate that we're, kind of dealing with these issues. Um, but I do think this is more of an outlier than what to expect moving forward. Because if you look at how we're recruiting right now, mm-hmm. if you look at who we're going to bring in next year, um, the future is bright, but this is going to be a much more painful season than I would have initially thought coming into the year. Yeah. Looking forward to next year. There's, there's a lot of talk already about it, obviously, because top two recruiting class, two of the top three players. One's actually pushing for the number one spot right now, it seems like, mm-hmm. um, and Ace Bailey. So, I mean, those two are going to hide a lot of the flaws on offense next year, for sure. Plus, you plug in a guy like you just said, Jeremiah Williams, who's probably going to start next year, if I had to guess, next to Dylan. Yeah. And he's a yep. perfect compliment to him because he's a defender. I got to score at times, too. Um, and then uh, coaching. like I, I feel like this is on the coaching staff, too, because they, yeah. they haven't ran an offense in years. It's been ISO ball for the most part. And that's fine. It works at times because especially it complements a really good defensive team, which Pike always had. 
Um, but they need to run some kind of offensive sets, like something. Yeah. It drives I don't me know nuts. what it is. Like the fact that it's been a problem for so long and like we've kind of gotten around it by playing shutdown defense and having mm-hmm. really good players. Like we need to have some kind of cohesive flow on offense that we haven't had in yeah. a long time. And dating back now to Mawat Mag's injury, we are three and ten in Big Ten play since he got hurt. Well, he's back now. He's back now, but yeah, it is tough sledding. Um, and you need a big man coach. I'm I'm tired of watching the big men just not do anything. Uh, Wolf yeah. has been pretty quiet. Um, Emmanuel Ogbo, you, you got to throw him out there, I think, eventually, just to see what he can do at the very least. Because who knows? Maybe he's not on the roster next year. Because you're, if based on next year's roster, you need a veteran presence big man. I'm sorry, I love Lathan Somerville, but I'm only giving him maybe 15 minutes a game next year, unless he could develop into like a superstar, like stud big man. But I, I think you need some veterans there. You need some veterans on this team next year for sure. And Jeremiah Williams could count as one. Mawat um, Mag, maybe two. But other than that, there's really not a veteran presence. So if you want to make a deep run next year, you need to add some kind of veteran. And I think that's where it's going to be interesting with how this roster shakes out over the offseason because I don't think everyone returns for the most part. No, I think we're going to see a bigger shakeup than probably I would have predicted coming into the year. Like for me, it is so important to keep Watt Bag for next season. 100%. Keep him. Jeremiah Williams. You know, Ace Dylan. That's going to be four of your starters right there. In my Michael opinion. Davis, Griffith. Yeah. Um, like this they're team. Right. Yeah. Like we have a lot of good players. It's just they're either young and are still figuring things out, or they're just not producing at the level that you know consistently enough that we need them to. So. Yeah. And it's a shame because it's going to be a down year going into a bigger year. And you kind of hope this year would at least be decent. And it's it's, it's not looking too hot right now at the moment. Yep, I agree. Plus coaching staff, which we, we didn't even talk about really. People are speculating already. Jay Young maybe as a guy. Yeah, he'd be a huge addition because if you just look at the development a guy like Miles Johnson had under him. Huge. You know, he was here when Cliff got here and, you know, he took Cliff from – you know, a guy who was very raw offensively and started to develop him, but I don't feel, I feel like Cliff hasn't gotten the development he needs um, in the, you know, ensuing couple years since he left. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and with the, the new rule, you can technically add two coaches. They can't recruit, but they can be on the staff. So, I mean, if you have the money, which it sounds like Rutgers has the money for assistant coaches if they need to, I mean, they're paying yep. Brandon Knight, what, almost a mil or a mil. Yeah, um, I, I think he could probably afford a Jay Young type, especially. And I think for some reason he would probably—I shouldn't say for some reason—I think he would accept that role too. But the sole fact I don't think anyone else would hire him because there's there's some issues with the Fairfield thing that happened and whatever. I don't care personally. Put him on staff. <laughs> and yeah. He's a guy that yep. Pykel trusts, and he's been with Pykel for how long? Seven years, eight years, or something? If you count the Stony yeah, Brook days, he's Pike's guy. You followed him from Stony Brook to here, so. I think you'd welcome him back. Um, yeah. And especially given that there's, you know, offsetting language most likely in his contract, they wouldn't have to pay him a whole lot. And True. he'd still be making money from Fairfield unless they figure out a way to fire him with cause. So who who knows? That situation's still kind of developing there. Yeah. But and then um, honestly you could it, maybe down the line he gets promoted back to an assistant coach because 
I hate to say, it, I don't know how long Knight's going to be at Rutgers. Like the man's just been a recruiting demon to the point where, he, if he doesn't get a head coaching and high major job soon, I'd be shocked. Yeah, he deserves it for sure. Um, just hopefully, <clears throat> it's after next year, and I think well, uh, I think he stays for that year specifically. It'd have to take. Yeah. You'd have to get like a like Pittsburgh would literally have to come calling. But I think they're actually doing pretty decent this year too. So I don't think they're going to fire their guy anytime soon. Yeah, no, I, I think they. Uh, they had a didn't they make the tournament last year? Yeah, they're yeah. fifty two in the net right now. So I mean, yeah, so he's their coach isn't going anywhere. But. All right, guys. Well, uh, appreciate you guys listening on a gloomy Sunday. Hopefully, this weather clears up. I don't oh, think it will. It's gonna uh, clear up. It's gonna be it's a nice Sunday up. for the big blue baby. Yeah, uh, nothing like the Giants. Uh, a pyrrhic victory nothing. for you guys <laughs> for today. Like Eagles probably aren't gonna be playing to win i mean because dallas is gonna just boat race washington so neither of our teams really have anything to play for honestly type of guy though that's gonna watch he's gonna scoreboard watch during the game oh yeah if if they go into halftime and dallas is up like 24 to 3 you're gonna see the whole team get benched in the second half they can't afford any more injuries and honestly the the cat or the the giants shouldn't really be playing to win this one oh we're playing win baby i don't know where your guys pick currently sits we could get number but, two if some things fall correctly. No, oh, okay. It, it would have to. Yeah. We'd have to have like five teams like that aren't predicted to win. Win basically. Yeah. So you're currently sitting at five. Um, Arizona plays Seattle, which is a winnable game. New England plays the Jets, which is a winnable game. Washington's not beat. Not uh, not gonna That's beat. the one that kind of fucks us a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, you guys should be trying to lose because there's a realistic path to you guys getting to three. I just hate um, tanking. Like tanking is just it doesn't do anything for me. I, I mean, it it's culture. all about like, yeah, culture, culture, culture. But you know, that is a huge jump in a class that has three seemingly top five level quarterbacks. Not saying you guys would draft one, but it could say. Look at look at what the Bears are doing right now. Hey, the Bears are set up better than like any team in in the NFL. And who would have thought that last offseason yeah. where you were saying the Bears are set up to succeed in the future? It's kind of fucked that they have two of what top four, top five picks. Like, well, right now they have two top ten picks. Oh, top they 10, have okay. number one and number ten, but they were in the top five. But, yeah, you know, Chicago's won five of their last seven games. Believe it or not. Jeez. So. Well, I I don't think I know this isn't a giant spot. I don't think we're getting Caleb Williams. So whatever. Yeah. Drake May doesn't. Yeah, he's okay. Whatever. Yeah. And then I like Jaden Daniels, but again, I don't know if I go quarterback. And I, I saw a fun one, and just hear me out here. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields traded the Giants. Well, I do think he'll get traded um, because yeah. I think resetting that uh, that rookie contract is so valuable uh, in team building. You get like five years of a cheap guy, whereas yeah. if you keep Fields, you basically have to pay him starting 2025. So I do think they'll trade him, and I've heard they can get you know like a second round pick for him. I, so you can add more draft capital. Yeah, I'm, that, I'm the Giants. It's, it's screw it. Let them compete. Yep, I, I do think he'll have a market. Uh, but again, this isn't a an NFL podcast. But uh, could be. I feel like we have some could be. I think we got. There's a, there's a kernel of that in here for sure. Kernel. Um, we want to thank everybody for listening. Anybody who's liked and subscribed, uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of you guys and girls. So for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Network Podcast. Sorry.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.